This podcast is produced by the Center for Deployment Psychology at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. In addition, references to any specific companies, products, processes, or services does not necessarily constitute or imply endorsement by the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Welcome to CDP's podcast, Practical for Your Practice. We give you actionable intel to support what you do. One colleague to another. Welcome to Practical for Your Practice. I'm Andy Santanillo, Senior Military Behavioral Health Psychologist at the Center for Deployment Psychology. And I've got Jenna with me today. Hello, Jenna. Hi, Andy. How's it going? It's going really well. Um, I'm really um, happy and excited to have Dr. Jake Eliezer with us today as well. Hello, Jake. Hi, uh, I'm Jake Eliezer. My pronouns are he, him, and I am a senior associate consultant with the Mayo Clinic Florida and will be clinical director for our trans and intersect specialty care clinic here. And uh, so um, I hope it's okay to, to, to say and say congratulations on your new position you just started, right? Thanks. Yeah, I just started this week. <laughs> congratulations. That's fantastic. Could you tell our really listeners sorry. a little bit about um, what you'll be doing in your new position? Yeah, so the, the clinic is really just getting started. Um, they've been, uh, we've been seeing patients here for the past a um, few months uh, focused on improving access to uh, integrated, interdisciplinary, um, optimized trans care. And uh, there's already been clinics at Mayo Clinic, both at the Rochester site and in Arizona. So we're excited to be getting uh, the clinic going here in Florida. That's uh, um, very needed. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's exciting work that you're doing. Definitely much needed work. Um, and I'm sure there's no pressure at all on you to get this right. In your new job. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of the things that, um, you, you know, we were kind of thinking about the podcast and what we might talk about that, um, you, you know, that you suggested, and I, I think would be really useful um, is talking about the issue of, uh, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally therapists misgendering uh, uh, their clients using incorrect pronouns. And um, before we we get into a discussion of that, I wanted to ask you just a, a little bit about for for our listeners and to remind them uh, why is it important for mental health professionals to be paying attention to the pronouns that they're using when they're talking with their clients. Absolutely. So I think this is important for a number of reasons. Um, the primary one being is that, uh, you know, the, these types of behaviors are medical harm. Um, and it's a, it's a safety risk and a safety issue for trans patients. It's also a form of discrimination. And I say that not to, not to make everybody panic, um, <laughs> but it's important to really ground this, this specific issue um, with with the with the gravity that it deserves, um, you know, trans the transgender community in particular has increased exposure to minority stressors. We know that those minority stressors lead to poor health and mental health outcomes. That's pretty been pretty extensively established in the literature, and. As a component of that, we also know that transgender people experience tremendous barriers to healthcare, whether those be, um, you know, uh, national and state and local policies that 
uh, are prohibitive uh, to, to getting access to care, whether those be insurance policies that don't cover basic care that transgender people need, and then also discrimination that they experience within medical settings. And so knowing that when our patients come in to see us, they have all of this um, uh, these experiences that they they are potentially bringing in with them, it's very, very important that we get it right. And so when we talk about this from a clinical perspective as as psychotherapists, um, we think about these these types of interactions as being cultural ruptures. Uh, and I think a lot of times people think about pronouns as being this this thing that we do that's just sort of sits in this diversity bucket or this inclusivity bucket and not not as fully as we should about um, how this is uh, this functions within the context of a therapeutic relationship. Um, it seems like sometimes when people get nervous about doing the wrong thing, when folks are uncomfortable, uh, maybe if they don't haven't interacted with trans people much in the past, that you know our basic <laughs> how to be a therapist things just go flying out the window. Um, but we know how to do rupture repairs, right? That's what we do all day, every day in our in our clinical practice. So um, the first thing is to really kind of ground and center that for yourself as a, as a clinician. And then to practice, um, because the reality is we're all going to jack it up. Um, and so being honest with ourselves about that and sort of attenuating some of our anxiety and making sure our anxiety, our nervousness, our discomfort isn't something that is getting uh, inflicted uh, upon our patients. So... Um, part of part of working through that is making sure that we practice, making sure that we're being intentional and thoughtful and that we're doing uh, the right thing every time so that it becomes a habit. I, I even noticed, you know, it's interesting in your introduction, the very first thing you you gave us was your pronouns. And Andy and I didn't do that. I mean, it's such a simple thing. But I think, again, like even that modeling, you talk about practicing, you know, that's a really and I don't want to get into strategies off the bat, but I'm, I'm curious that. Um, is that something that is just helpful to practice doing too? Like not not make people assume your pronouns that, that you're establishing, you know, I'm coming in giving you mine and I definitely want to hear yours. You know, just thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's best practice. Um, and, you know, the thing that uh, that sometimes I see providers do is they'll use their pronouns, but then only introduce themselves using their pronouns when they perceive that the patient that they're working with is trans. But what we really know is, you know, you don't know uh, how the patient in front of you identifies right. until you ask. Um, you know, I, I often hear from a lot of providers when I'm doing trainings or when I'm talking to them about the work that I do is, oh, I've never worked with a trans patient. And I may, I may or may not say something in the moment, but, I'm, but what I'm really thinking in the back of my head is, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Right. Uh, you just you missed the boat. Right. Your patient just didn't trust you enough to let you know. I mean, it's um, very similar to, to military, right? Like we say the same things. You have to ask and not assume. You don't know who's served and who hasn't served. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, that that's just the first step is awareness of and, and asking about. Absolutely. So I think I think that's always the best way to, to start off with the, um, you know, on the right foot, specifically when it comes to pronouns is always introduce yourself, include your pronouns. And, you know, people also, when I when I encourage them to do this, they have this reaction that, oh, you know, what if my patient isn't trans and they think that I'm being weird or they get confused. And, you know, in the reality, you know, sometimes patients will say something and be like, oh, what, what, you know, I, I noticed that you used, you said about your pronouns, what's that about? 
that gives you an opportunity if you have time to just quickly say, oh, you know, I, uh, I think it's important to make sure that I'm letting my patients know what my pronouns are so they feel safe uh, letting me know theirs. I have never had a patient get angry with me about that. Uh, and I think there's a lot of kind of in I'm trying to think of the word, a, a better way of a more professional way of saying concern trolling, but like this idea of like we we have to be so worried about protecting the comfort of our cisgender patients that we don't do the right thing for our transgender patients. And what we actually have found, there's been studies done in the VA about uh, the comfort around being asked about sexual orientation and gender identity information. And I know this is not pronouns, but, um, you know, actually the people who become more anxious about getting asked about their sexual orientation and gender identity are actually folks who belong to those marginalized communities, uh, not cisgender and straight patients. Um, and that's in, in, a, in a veteran affairs healthcare setting. And so I think it's important to kind of have that sort of lens is typically if you're worried about the patient becoming uncomfortable, what you're really trying to express is that maybe you're the one that's feeling a little bit uncomfortable um, and to, to really kind of have some self-reflection about that. What really struck me, you know, what you were just saying um, about maybe being overly concerned about our cisgender clients and any discomfort they might experience is a huge contrast with what you said almost right at the beginning that misgendering a, a you know a, a trans person is medical harm and so really we're kind of looking at the contrast between do we you know even if you're kind of nervous about what your cisgender client might say is it is it worth like what's the greater risk making them temporarily uncomfortable or causing medical harm i mean i think when you frame it that way it makes it a little bit easier you know if you are feeling anxious or nervous about that to tolerate that discomfort. Um, so just right off the bat in our discussion today, I think there's a really useful piece of um, actionable intel and that's, you know, sharing your pronouns when you start a conversation with a new client, um, just as a way of starting the conversation, not only when you perceive you might be working with someone who's trans is a really good way to avoid causing medical harm. Uh, so that's really powerful just there. Um, you mentioned alliance ruptures. And one of the things I was curious about is, uh, you know, asking you for maybe some examples. So we just talked about one example of a potential alliance rupture right at the beginning of a conversation. You might have one. What are some of the other types of alliance ruptures or ways that can show up around misgendering clients um, that you think it'd be important for our listeners to look out for? Well, when I when I think about you know how to set uh, set the tone for welcoming um, not just transgender patients but but all LGBTQ patients is thinking about the clinical environment. Um, you know, making sure that there are restrooms that are accessible that are gender inclusive. Um, making sure that uh, you, you have um, affirming intake paperwork and forms, whether they're filling those out, you know, in person or online, making sure that your uh, colleagues and front desk staff members who are doing that initial patient interface as the first impression that a patient usually gets of the tone of the clinic, and making sure that all of those folks are trained and aware and feel comfortable and confident to welcome all patients. Um, when getting called back to the waiting area, 
Um, you know, a lot of times for uh, trans patients, the information that's in their medical record uh, doesn't necessarily match how that, that person identifies. And being misgendered in spaces like waiting areas isn't just uh, something that uh, is, a, is a rupture before the patient even gets in the room, but also uh, can put somebody at a safety risk you know, depending upon who else is in the room with them. And, and um, you know, on top of being uh, a disclosure of their medical information that may, they may not want uh, the people in the waiting area to know about them. Um, I think when it comes to the actual clinical interaction, uh, the most common thing I hear from patients is that they have to educate their providers. And so when you think, think it particularly in context when patients are being billed, um, are for services and they're spending most of the clinical session explaining to their provider what it means to be transgender and specifically what needs that they have around being transgender, um, you know, that, that becomes an ethical concern. When, uh, now I think it is important to let the parent, uh, the patient be the, you know, expert on their own experiences and asking questions and being curious is, a really great way to to set an inviting tone in the clinical relationship. Um, but I think it's important providers to also ask themselves, you know, have I done my homework? Um, am I consulting? Am I doing those basic things that I need to do to make sure that I'm not relying on the patient to train me in an area of healthcare that I should have uh, um, uh, experience in? I think that, and I think as I, as I'm hearing you, you you speak about that too. I think that not everything that a client who is transgender is presenting with has anything to do with that, and the you know mm -hmm. that that you know it doesn't have to be the immediate focus. And asking the question, is there anything about your um, gender identity that that is impacting why you're seeing me here today? You know yeah. that, that you know, and and making sure that you're not. I mean, I think the assumption piece is so huge across all cultures, right? Like we have mm -hmm. to ask and not assume and and do our homework um, and not make the client have to be the expert teacher in the in the clinical setting. Um, but remember that we're also bringing expertise on what that client is coming to see us for and yeah. and give them the security to know I'm here to help you. I want to meet you and understand you know, the lens with which you look at why you're coming in today. Um, but, but I, I got you and we can, mm -hmm. we can do this together um, so that you're giving them that security as well as is really important. Another, another thing I was thinking, one of the, um, again, I, I, I always reflect back on military culture because that's the, the culture I think about a lot. Um, but, but we often say, you know, really look at all your stuff through the eyes of somebody who is a service member, your waiting room, the materials mm -hmm. in your waiting room, the reading materials, your website. Um, you know, I, I give the story about a college counseling center that, you know, the website was all like butterflies and flowers around the edge. And then all it talked about was how traumatized you were and you were sure to, you know, mm -hmm. it was, it was just awful. And so again, like, I think what, how would you receive all the materials you put out as somebody that, that maybe isn't uh, similar to you and comes from a different background. So it seems like those are some things like a checklist to go through, not only how you're yeah. interacting, but your, your surroundings as well. What are you posting? Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes in two different forms. One is, you know, this initial assumption when a patient comes in and maybe they're having a relationship issue or maybe they're having a, a job change and have some stress related to that. And then the, the provider finding out that the patient is transgender and then trying to make it all about that. 
Um, so and, that, and that can be detrimental just in as, as being a distraction, you know, from, from the patient's actual goals for coming into treatment. Um, and then I've also seen providers who, you know, feel uncomfortable addressing gender identity and then ignore it completely. Um, and I think, you know, for providers who are trying to suss out, you know, what's the best approach here, you know, sometimes the best thing to, to do is just ask the patient, you know. Is is you know, do you feel like experiences relating to to your gender identity or being transgender in the world impacting um, X presenting concern? You know, is that something that you'd like to talk about in here? And if the patient says no, move on. Move on, yeah. It's that simple. Um, I think the the other thing that tends to happen. Uh, and not necessarily always in the room with the patient, but in how we're doing our assessments, how we're doing our treatment planning, how we're doing, which you know should be done with the patient uh, just in general. But a lot of times I'll see patients open up that go in and open up their charts and see all of this information about their gender history when when you know the care that they were coming in to get, you know, they said no, yeah, that that's not necessarily something that's that's impacting my care. The other thing is a lot of times patients may be coming in and they have other concerns, but those concerns are then attributed uh, to their gender identity as opposed to the providers, um, you know, being open to other uh, other possibilities or other concerns diagnostically. Um, so I think it's important to to not jump to conclusions, uh, to ask patient consent, to check in with the patient about what they're needing um, and, and meeting them where they are. It, it, you know, this is amazing advice. And, uh, you know, I think we were talking about this before we started our recording today. There's an acknowledgement that we, we're all going to make mistakes. You know, yeah. uh, there's there's no amount of training that you can do that will make you non-human. <laughs> and what it means <laughs> to be human is to make yeah. mistakes. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, I've got a number of clients in my practice right now who um, who have trans family members who are in relationships with um, uh, a partner who is trans or non-binary. And the times where I've even in the middle of, uh, you know, a therapeutic relationship lapsed into my own biases and using gender pronouns that were incorrect. So I think that, um, you know, if you work with, and as you mentioned earlier, if you don't think you've worked with a trans person, think again, um, we're all going to make these mistakes. So, um, I was wondering if we could have a discussion and you had, I think an interesting idea of maybe even doing a, a role play, which would be sort of the first for practical practice for your practice <laughs> on how, you know, when, when you as a provider notice that you have ha had a misstep or your client lets you know how you might sort of address that. So I guess maybe first, how might you, what might be a general approach? Um, and then maybe we can sort of demonstrate uh, a way to begin to repair a rupture like that. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the first bit of advice I would say is, you know, for any clinical rupture, um, if you're spending more time apologizing than you did messing up, hmm. what you're doing is more about making you feel better and not the other person. <laughs> and so it's important to to make sure that you're acknowledging Right. Because you don't want to just move on because then the pay, the person's like, oh, well, they didn't even know they hurt me or they just don't care. Um, and so acknowledging and then briefly moving on when when mistakes are made is is key. 
Uh, so Andy, if you're if you're comfortable, uh, uh, well, I'm you not, but, I am, but I'm willing. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortable and willing, I'll take that. Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to misgender you, okay. and then I'm going to correct myself for the first for the first uh, little scenario here. God, when I you know when I first met Andy, she was uh, so nice and welcoming. At uh, I'm sorry, I met he. Um, yeah, I, I was just really impressed with uh, how how uh, kind he was, and uh, and then you just go on. Okay. So, so break that down for us. What what was it that you were doing after you noticed? So that's an exa- I guess an example of when you yourself noticed that. Oh, I just did it. So mm-hmm. what was the process after that? Yeah. So I began talking. I used the wrong pronoun, and then as I'm continuing to talk which is you know what happens for for most of us is we we our cogs are turning right and we're realizing oh no i jacked up mm-hmm. um and as soon as you make that realization stop correct yourself uh say i'm sorry just move on <laughs> and you know i i think that um is a really nice example of what you said just a few moments ago that if you're spending more time apologizing than the actual rupture took you're it's more about you and not the other person yeah, i could really yeah. see being in that space where you notice it and you're starting to feel guilty doing just continuing to apologize almost to get some sort of absolution from mm-hmm. the person which yeah. really doesn't do much for them it's more about you so for this next scenario, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to misgender you again, Andy. Sorry, it's going to be just a, a day of That's suffering right. for you. Um, and... <laughs> My life is continuous suffering, so it's okay. I'm happy for some variety. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> he's really he's really comfortable in this area. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Zen person, so you know the first noble truth: life is suffering. So this is cool. I'm happy with this. Uh, great. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to. Uh, say the same thing i'm going to misgender you and then jenna what i want you to do is to jump in and correct me i i just wanted to let you know jenna it's been so great working with andy she's just been so incredible oh he thank you so much i'm going to get that right uh he was saying how much uh he appreciated and then you just carry on with your sentence when you're getting corrected the best thing to do is one pause Give yourself a breath if you feel like it, because your your anxiety is going to be off the chain. Say thank you, and then say it the right way. It's so simple, and it just makes so much sense. It it would be, you know, if I called you George instead instead of I, I would I would want to acknowledge it and apologize, but I'm not going to make it the center of our discussion. I'm going to keep moving on. But it, it's it's true. I think a lot of us would get into this sort of. A crazy spiral of 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 shame and apology because we we know it's meaningful and we feel really bad and we want you to know how bad we feel but that's about me it's not about you exactly and i think that's kind of the core concept here is that we need to take care of our our own anxiety we need to take care of our own discomfort and not let the person we already hurt uh, uh take care of us um now the, the last scenario we're going to do is uh what you do when um uh, to, to correct other colleagues. Um, and so maybe we'll do this the same way. And while you're thinking, this is a really important one because I think that, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a variety of 
<laughs> there's a variety of levels of competence and interest, I think, in, in getting this right. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the field. And, you know, that, that could be just, uh, not having the right training or exposure, not just being ignorant. Um, and so having a, a strategy and a way to address this with colleagues, it's always hard to give colleagues, especially ones where there might be, um, you know, you might be working in the same clinic and the feedback you might give might be, um, uncomfortable for them to hear. Uh, so, and especially when it comes to issues like this, where there, there is that potential for somebody maybe feeling shame or anxiety, you know, being able to address this, um, in a way that's gonna, you know, honor your clients and their needs and protect them again from medical harm, um, is really important. So did I give you enough time to think of this scenario? <laughs> no, we're good. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be a colleague coming to you to talk about one of your patients. Dr. Santanella, I was wondering if I could grab you for just a second. Sure. Um, so you had done an intake on this client, um, Jamie, and she was uh, coming in Jamie, for... Jake, can I just stop you for a second? Um, their, oh, pro sure. uh, their pronouns are actually they, them. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And that's it. Um, I've, I've, I've sometimes had providers become a little bit uncomfortable uh, when correcting them, and it's especially when it's this this comes up a lot of times at treatment team meetings. Mm -hmm. And so it's uncomfortable, and maybe people get their feathers ruffled a little bit, but it is so, so, so important to set that that pattern of correction and moving on as the norm in your treatment team meetings because what happens then is, you know, case manager X or MD, why is sitting in that same meeting, here's the wrong thing, and then takes that back to the patient. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really critical opportunity to very briefly get everybody on the same page and make sure that, that everyone's tracking. Um, this, this stuff comes up in conversations, but it's also something that comes up in the medical record often and um, is really important to address in the medical records, right? Anything you put in the medical record, you know your patient's going to see it. It's it's good to just assume that they're going to see whatever you're putting in there. Um, you know, I don't know how you know different medical record systems make that easier or more difficult. I know when I was working in the VA setting, patients would see their notes, um, you know, come up in their chart, and then you know could bring that back in to ask me about it. So it's really really important that what information is put in the medical record is uh, correct. And to be having conversations with your patients about that. But when I see another provider write a note for a patient and the patient is being misgendered, um, I make a point of reaching out to that person and just saying, hey, uh, I wanted to let you know that the patient uses these pronouns. Now, when doing that, it is really important to make sure you have asked the patient because patients will sometimes, maybe they'll be out to you, but they won't be out to other providers. And so whenever I'm doing an intake and somebody uh, indicates that they're trans, um, I am uh, always asking, what pronouns do you want me to put in the medical record? Uh, and letting them know that, hey, you know, if there's a, if you want me to use they, them pronouns it here, um, but you're you want to wait or you aren't don't want your other providers to know about that they will have access to my notes too and so what would you like me to put uh in the chart um so make make sure that you have kind of a baseline understanding of what the patient needs in that in that moment but if you're if you know that the patient is 
wanting uh, to have their correct pronouns in the system um, to make sure that you're uh, correcting other providers when you're seeing that in the medical record. And that, that's really such an ethical issue that's so important too. You, you mentioned uh, affirming paperwork, intake paperwork before. Um, and if providers are wanting to kind of do that scan of, of their clinic and um, some of the behaviors that the, the clinic is engaged in, is there, I know we're kind of moving into resources, but what are some good resources to stay up to date on, you know, is there a template that you would recommend or places to try and get that information to check your 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 paperwork against to make sure that you're using the most um, recent and, mm. and accepted versions of things? Yeah, in terms of intake paperwork, there are a lot of different models out there. Uh, a lot of the major LGBTQ clinics um, share their intake forms and have those posted publicly. I think mm. Fenway and Callan Lord, Fenway Health and Callan Lord, both have at some point had uh, versions of their own intake paperwork up there. Um, you know, I'll think if I could see if I can think of any specific. Um, we can link it in the, yeah. in the um, show notes, uh, Jake. So we'll, yeah. we'll make sure to put something in there for our listeners to check out as a as an example. Absolutely. I mean, I think my big recommendation for folks is just to leave it open response. Um, you know, it takes up very little space on the on the form and just have a line for pronouns, have a line for gender identity and then uh, let people write in what their what their gender is, because what happens a lot of times right. is either they'll have he or she and then like nothing else or will say male, female, other, um, which isn't going to capture transgender patients. Like if I'm filling out a form and it says male or female, I'm going to circle male. So if you want to know if I'm transgender, you're you're not going to find that out from that question. Um, there's different models. So there's actually several papers that have been published on different mechanisms for collecting gender identity information in medical records. And I know some many for many cases this is limited due to your EHR, and so um, that's kind of a constant battle in the in the in the community. Um, I'm happy to share some papers and resources on sort of what's what's happening in the field and what are some current challenges around that um but that's that's a whole that's yeah. a whole other <laughs> hour-long presentation uh, well but, you will absolutely um, have to come back for, for <laughs> but yeah that's that would be my main recommendation especially if uh, for what you can kind of control in your clinic um immediately when patients are coming in is to to have open open response options for patients that's a great solution so that's a wonderful piece of actionable intel. We always like to end our podcast with maybe, you know, three or four, if we're ambitious, uh, little bits of information that our providers can use immediately to begin to improve their practice and use the information we talked about to inform what they do um, for the better. And so one of them sounds like, and this is one of the places that you started today is to, to educate yourself, um, to look at your materials, uh, to make sure that. Uh, you're doing what you can to set up your clinic in a way to be affirming. What might be a couple of other bits of actionable intel that our providers can use um, when dealing with things like uh, alliance ruptures um, and maybe other things that you know they can start to work on in order to improve their ability to work effectively and affirmatively with um, LGBTQ plus um, and trans clients? 
Um, I mean, I think generally there there are a lot, many, many, many resources out there for training. I know a lot of uh, folks who tune in uh, to CDP Presents are um, working in VA. Uh, VA actually has a robust series of online trainings, which I know online trainings are are a little bit murderous, but um, they're actually pretty good. <laughs> so if if uh, if you're interested, I can share out some links to how you can get at those both in, inside the VA system and uh, they're accessible to providers outside the VA system. You have to register um, to to get access, but they're they're accessible for anybody who wants to take those. Um, the, and, you know, circling back to pronouns, the big recommendation that I would have is practice, practice, practice. And, uh, it's the only way you're going to get it right and get it right every time. So what I would like to share is there is a program online uh, called practice with pronouns.com. That's it. Practice with pronouns.com. Um, you get in there, you pick the pronouns that you're wanting to practice and it generates uh, practice for you. Um, so cool. you can, yeah, you can spend like a few minutes, you know, if you, if you feel like you're struggling, if you feel like you're correcting yourself and putting your foot in your mouth multiple times, like just get in there, dedicate 10 minutes between patients or five minutes here or there, and just spend some time practicing them. Fantastic. And, you know, the, the other bits of advice, the role plays that we did today, I think kind of will speak for themselves, but if you sort of had to crystallize maybe the the steps that one might consider when um when they've noticed a they've they've um misgendered someone um b they're given sort of feedback that they've done that and c when they have to give providers or they they have an opportunity to give providers some feedback could you just kind of review kind of the steps that a provider might take absolutely step one take a pause situate yourself Two, correct yourself. Uh, you know, three, apologize quickly. Just, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I apologize. And then move on. If somebody's correcting you, uh, take a breath. Look at them. Say thank you. Correct yourself. Move on. Now, if there are you know larger ruptures in the clinical relationship, um, you know may require a little bit more attention than that. But for small mistakes, when you catch yourself in the moment, that's it. Um, now, if you get home after work and you're sitting around watching TV, and then you suddenly realize, "Oh no, I jacked up," don't just say, "Oh, I'll." you know, I'll just not get it wrong again. Say something when you come back into session with that patient. Um, it is really, really important uh, to to not pretend like you didn't mess up or that it just didn't happen because your patient isn't going to forget. So there's a little bonus for you as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, well, and I just I, just wanted to add the reminder because I think this was important. What we learned at the beginning is start by using your pronouns. You know, like start the start the the clinical relationship by setting that stage too. I think that was yeah. a really important one. Yeah, that's a really big piece of uh, unraveling what we call cis normativity uh, in clinical practice, and cis normativity being the assumption that uh, it isn't that the norm is to be cisgender that we expect everybody to be cisgender. And so by practicing that, not just when you're talking with patients, but when you're 
introducing yourself to new colleagues, when you are presenting, uh, you know, doing doing a training, um, to make sure that you're starting out uh, with the with the knowledge that not everyone can assume that you're says, not everyone can assume your pronouns and get it right. Well, I I would like to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Jake. We were really fortunate to have Jake do a fabulous uh, webinar. So if you if you didn't get enough, uh, we will also put a link in the chat to the 90-minute webinar that Jake did that's Strategies for Clinical Practice with Transgender, Non-Binary, and Gender Expansive Service Members and Veterans. Um, it's definitely worth a review. Uh, if you didn't get to attend or if you got to attend, it's, it's worth a second, a second listen and approach. So thank you for being so generous with your time for both of those things. And as Andy said, we can't wait to have you back on the podcast at a future date to keep digging into this important topic. We wish you the best in your new job, which is fantastic. And I want to thank everybody who joined us today. Thanks for coming to Practical Career Practice, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you all so much for having me and for being uh, willing to get uncomfortable with me. Yeah, <laughs> And Andy for letting me use, use you as target practice. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to, whenever you need me, just let me know. I think we have the, the title for this episode, Getting Uncomfortable with Jake. There we go. <laughs> Great. In parentheses, using Andy for target practice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening to Practical for Your Practice. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and join in on the conversation in the comments. Until next time. <laughs>